you all, so this goes to you and to the team for all the hard work we put in day in and day out. <laughs> we about to get it in, baby. Let's get it. Welcome to uh, a very somber uh, episode of Our Kind of Pod. Uh, this week, Michael Stitton is back just in time uh, for he and I to commiserate about the uh, the lightning-filled Cal 28-19 game uh, over the weekend. Tough one uh, for us in terms of sleep, um, tough one to watch, just tough all around. But we got through it, uh, talked about the, the woes of this year's team so far, uh, and looked ahead to, uh, to next week against Hawaii, or this week against Hawaii, and also talked about the, the, the national scene as a whole in college football, uh, as well as our favorite little conference, uh, the Pac-12. That plus great cat of the week, and our kind of guy of the week as well. Uh, this was fun, as as miserable as it may have been. Uh, glad to have Stan back. Uh, also wanted to say, at the very end of last week's podcast, I understand it got cut off. Uh, good news is we have fired that uh, audio producer. Uh, he did uh, good work for us before, uh, but it was time to let him go for mistakes like that. Uh, so we'll have to deal with anything like that in the future. Uh, all right, enjoy this one. Then it is good to hear your voice. Even better to hear that you don't have some some weird accent that you picked from a couple weeks abroad. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to be back. That would be wild if I had an English slash Norwegian accent. Uh, I can't imagine what that would possibly sound like. I'm so happy that you're not going to try that live on air. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've I've known from an early age. I'm not a big accent guy, so um, I'm just going to spare you all. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, I wish I could have been spared of the events from Saturday. Uh, you were there in person for the festivities. <laughs> you were not struck by lightning. Uh, maybe you were and just were too tired I from, wish your, I was. from your trip to, to even know what happened to you. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a full 24-hour day for me after a full 24-hour day the previous day of traveling. So um, never thought I would end up sleeping on the Husky Stadium bench in the 300 level, but for part of that two hour and 38 minute delay, I was just, you know, I was, I was out or that, close to it at the very least. Yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. And, um, I'm sure a lot of people, or you might have ended up on a lot of people's Instagram stories, um, for your dedication there, but, uh, <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. And in my case, it was just rally as hard as possible because I was already geared up for i was talking to a buddy out here who actually goes to u-dub or went to u-dub and his his thing was like yeah man 10 30 i'll probably just watch it at home don't want to really go out i'm like that's totally fair these late games are brutal well they're brutal especially when you add two and a half hours onto the whole ordeal <laughs> my god i had no idea there was even lightning coming so that whole series where you just see nick harris leaving the field uh color me confused when that was happening yeah, I mean, I did see on the hourly report, the hourly weather report before the game, like the little lightning symbol for one of the hours. But being in Seattle, like when you see that, you're like, oh, okay, like there's a chance we'll have one or two strikes and that won't matter. You know, it won't be an issue. But uh, yeah, that was absurd. And uh, all the all the lights went, a lot of the lights went off in the stadium. Um, like Which they made everybody evacuate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they made everybody evacuate, even if you're under the the roof, which my seats are like very easily under the roof. But 
um, yeah, they made you evacuate to the concourse and then all the lights were off in the concourse. So it was just really strange. Um, I've never seen anything like that having gone to Husky games for several decades now. I think that's like Captain Husky's superhero origin story is getting struck by lightning at at Husky Stadium and then just like has super, super powers of just losing his freaking mind every Saturday. (laughs) That's uh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's kind of how it it had to be how it happened. I can't think of another way. Uh, Alcohol would probably be the other one. Um, Yeah, it was it was really weird. And I'm glad that, uh, you know. This this is a, a no weather excuses podcast. Uh, we established that after the Apple Cup, so I'm not I'm not even going to entertain that. Obviously, a weird situation, <laughs> one that you wouldn't want to uh, to to choose if you if you had to choose. Uh, you know, would you want a two and a half hour weather delay and then lose um, I don't know eighty five percent of your fan base in Husky Stadium for a game for the majority of it? Probably not. But uh, that situation hampered Cal as well and that it just becomes a football game and we lost that freaking game and uh that's my that's my take on the whole weather part of it and I want to put that to bed but uh are are you are you with me on that stance yeah the weather was a non-factor here both teams had to go through it and uh Peterson even said you know once they got started again around 10 30 or whenever the hell it was um uh you know it felt like a regular game and they were they were playing so it didn't really matter that it was that late or uh, the weather. There was a delay. I love Peterson's uh, like, let's get ready to rumble, uh, like like boxing announcer uh, thing that happened right before he started the game back up, uh, where a microphone just seemingly came from the ceiling into his hands. But um, <laughs> yeah, once once we got going, it, all right, let's just get into this, man. Uh, four okay. downs, the first one. This is, I think, a, a first for us. Us not talking about the quarterback uh, on first down. How about it? That's that's uh, yeah. that's so rare. Um, we will we will soon, but uh, but it's sure. not the, the number one thing. Um, and that's because the number one thing is is the defense, and that's the first time we've ever really had to say that. Where we are, I think maybe either either equally or more disappointed in the defense than the offense. Um, I'm kind of torn because there's this lasting feeling after that game that Cal just torched us and, uh, you know, that's unacceptable. And as Christian Capel outlined in his article today in The Athletic, it was three really bad drives that ended up costing the Huskies where they were pretty pretty flawless on the rest of them defensively. Uh, but relative to what we're used to, this this was a tough one to swallow. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a tale of two halves from the defensive side of the ball for the Huskies. I mean, in the first half, I think we only gave up like 86 yards, something around there. Um, but in the second half, we gave up 217 yards. Um, so obviously, the halftime adjustments that Cal made offensively really hurt us. And um, we just weren't able to adjust. I thought we were a little more aggressive in our pressure in the first half and i feel like we played a little more more conservative in the second half um there's a lot of specific things that i think factor into our demise in the second half which i'm sure we'll go into more detail here but um i think we're missing i mean we replaced eight starters on this defense i think we're missing a lot of that experience uh that we had and gotten used to in the past few years as well as just overall bulk um, whether that be up front and more depth on the defensive line, but also bulk in the back end where a player like Taylor Rapp can come down into the lane and, you know, 
he can be that extra guy in the box and stop the run. And ultimately the run was what really hurt us early on in that third quarter and throughout the rest of the second half. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into more specifics, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, it was disappointing in the second half. Yeah, I think it was the product of a lot of things. It was the product of, uh, you know, what you just said is, is spot on. Definitely miss a lot of those those just guys that were super dependable over the last few years. Greg Gaines, uh, Ben Burkirvin, Taylor Rapp, Byron Murphy, guys who just make plays. You don't have to worry about them. Um, and and the, the opposite of those, those guys that we're talking about that we miss is, is players who don't have a lot of experience and aren't maybe ready to play at that highest level yet. Kyler Gordon comes to mind, um, a guy who had two yep. two defensive holding calls against him against Eastern. Uh, Cal definitely saw that tape and said, "Hey, we would much rather throw at him than than Keith Taylor. Um, if if the freshman mm-hmm. retro freshman beats us and and steps up, go you know more power to him." Uh, but they were ready for that. That was their plan. And any sort of long down situation that that was what they were going to do, they stuck to that. They completely avoided Taylor for the most part. Um, and then they they just keyed on our, our linebackers and just said, hey, we're going to make them make plays in space. Um, and I think they just it worked out perfectly into their hands. Uh, but then it just it, like you said, the, the youth there, instead of Taylor Rapp, you have K- uh, Cameron Williams, who, you know, when Rapp came on as a freshman, it was more like a auxiliary piece. Whereas Cam Williams, it's like you're you're in right off the bat, and yeah, you're the guy. Just, it's just what whether you're ready to do that or not. Um, he was out of position a lot. Joe Tryon was out of position a lot. Um, Chris Peterson, and Jimmy Lake both said over and over that that guys are almost playing too hard, trying to get out of what they're supposed to do, um, and, and be you know play beyond themselves. And it just it really looked ugly for a little bit there just not being able to stop a team that you know everyone watched the cheese it bowl that's actually not true probably no one watched the cheese it bowl <laughs> but you think about this cal team and you're thinking just what a joke offensively um sure but they just had a really simple limited game plan that was targeted exactly against uh our our deficiencies at least to this point on defense yeah and that main deficiency at least that was shown on saturday was missed tackles i can't remember a game in the Chris Peterson era where we've seen that many missed tackles by a Husky defense. Um, so many, so many huge plays for Cal were because of our inability to tackle. I think Cal's first touchdown in the third quarter, which was a 20 yard scamper by Marcel Dancy. I, I counted four missed tackles alone on that play. Um, I feel like Cam Williams, I don't, I hate to, you know, f- focus on specific guys here and call specific guys out, but um, his his tackling and pursuit angle has been pretty poor thus far this season, in my yep. opinion. And I think that kind of harks back to my comment about Taylor Rapp, where um, you know he would fill that lane and be that extra guy that could really stop the run. No one could really run on this Husky defense the past couple of years, and we're seeing that that's not necessarily the case this season. Um, Miles Bryant likes to get up there and get a, get in the box and get involved. But at the end of the day, he's not that big of a person. Mm-hmm. He's not that impending or he's not going to impose his physical abilities on someone in the run game. Um, and then lastly, you mentioned Joe Tryon, um, just seemingly a complete breakdown and backside contain for the majority of that second half. They brought in Marcel Dancy, their backup running back. Um, to kind of change pace there. Um, and he was able to bump it outside, a lot of which was to the backside where Joe Tryon was just crashing on the zone read and just completely misreading it to the point where Dancy could get outside and 
you know, rack up huge chunks of yards. I think on that first drive of the second half, he had two carries of over 20 yards, uh, one of which was a touchdown. So all seven carries for Dancy happened in the second half. He accumulated over, I think he had seven carries for 72 yards and two touchdowns. So that really hurt us. Yeah, there was something that I was kind of thinking about. Uh, we both watched uh, a little bit of a recap of the game. Uh, Matt Loves Ball, if you want to check out his his recaps, are, are great. They're Matthew. Matthew Ball. Oh, I'm so sorry. Don't go to yes. Matt Loves Ball. Yeah. That might be something totally different <laughs> uh, and, and, and graphic. Um, yes. But uh, it just seemed like Washington, us on offense, we were behind the chains often um, on second down, playing in second 13, second 14, second 10, uh, whereas Cal was consistently getting positive yardage on first down and really allowing them to play their type of game, uh, whereas we were the opposite of that. So I, I, I broke it down. Uh, out of Washington's uh, 23 second downs, uh, we were behind the chains, so either second and 10 or second and more than 10, uh, seven of those times. So 30% of the time, we're already behind the chains, having to get more than 10 yards uh, in just two plays, whereas Cal, uh, that was just three out of 18. So Cal, uh, their ability to just keep it moving forward and, and get into the second and six, second and seven, it's exactly the type of game plan that you've seen Arizona State beat us with. Uh, Cal, again, last year beating us with is just that um, kind of killing them with a, with several paper cuts uh, way to beat this Husky defense because they don't give up big plays. However, uh, this, this, this game really broke because of, like you said, those missed tackles um, and being out of position in so many different ways. So a lot of it is youth, right? But boy, uh, I, I don't have a ton of confidence that you can just fix all of this within a year. Uh, which can move us into this next point of, okay, if this defense is, has taken a step back, it's it's not going to be horrible, uh, but it's it's not going to be airtight like it's been over the last few years. The offense has to get so much better. Mm-hmm. So yeah. so on to yeah. that, that point with, with the offense, and I guess we'll just start with second down. Okay. It just seems like the, the imagination with this offense is, is, is lacking in the explosiveness that we were promised. Uh, it's through two games, I get it, but we just haven't seen it. Yeah, I mean, the obvious point here is the drop passes. I think that hurt uh, Jacob Eason a bit and being able to get in a rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, we saw what we've talked about for the past year or so, which is the inability to finish off drives, red zone inefficiencies, drive stalling. Um, just, I'm just going to recap the first half and, or recap a few drives. There was, um, there was nine non-touchdown drives for UW, five of which stalled within the Cal 35, three of which stalled within the red zone. Um, and then one of those drives was a drive that started on the Cal 43 that we threw a pick on the first play. But back to my point, first half turnover downs on the Cal 35 field goal on the Cal 19 Interception on the first play, Cal 43. Second half, you got a field goal from the Cal 4. This is the drive that was first and goal from the 4. Newton ran for no gain. Eason had that dangerous floater to Jackson Zerman with the flat, in the flat, which was just a boneheaded decision, honestly. And then you had the Bocelli uh, pass to the corner where he was unable to get his feet in, um, which honestly, after watching that back, he should have been able to get a foot down. Yep, definitely. Um, then... Then you had another field goal drive that stalled on the seven, on Cal seven. It was a 17 play drive that lasted eight minutes and 40 seconds, 68 yards. Get down to fourth and one on the Cal two. You got the false start 
on Corey Luciano, which just cannot happen. Um, so, you know, another field goal there, four points off the board. Uh, and then again, field goal Cal 32 drive that resulted in Peyton Henry's 49 yard field goal. Uh, we got as close as the Cal 29 on second and eight, but went backwards again. So, um, what we've talked about all last year and, you know, in preseason this year about the offense not being able to complete drives, it was, you know, the the obvious issue in this game as well. Yeah, I had it there, um, nail on the head with, with all those points. Um, but we had drives of 11, 14, 17, and 10 plays. Uh, those four drives produced a total of 12 points. Um, and so yep. there's a, there's a point there that, you know, more plays in a drive is, is diminishing returns because you run out of space if you're, if you're playing the same way over and over. And so that explosiveness point, uh, is where it comes in, but yeah, pointing out, picking out a couple plays there in the red zone and especially near the goal line that were just, just disgusting. Uh, so mm-hmm. on that first and four or first and goal at the four, Andre Bocelli reverse gets you down to the four line, four yard line, Fig Newton runs for no gain. And then there's that wheel route that you talked about where th- there's some logic there to, to a wheel route to the fullback. But if you look at that play, uh, Kate Otten and Terrell Bynum are the two other receivers on that play, which, you know, where's Aaron Fuller? Where's Chico McClatcher? Where's Pacelli? Uh, where's Hunter Bryant? Um, in around that. But all three receivers are within like a five-yard radius of each other. And so that ball going up, the, the reason that the, the Cal defender can go to it and make the play on the ball like he did even if it was a perfectly placed ball to Jackson Sermon, I don't, I'm not sure if that's the guy you want making that catch. No, um, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. Freshman linebacker, much. no. <laughs> yeah, uh, cowboy caller or not, still, still not your boy. But yeah. uh, because Terrell Bynum was right there because of the design of the play, uh, the Cal defender can leave him to break up the play. So that was just uh, very confusing to me why that play even exists. Um, and then the Bachelet yep. catch, as, as you mentioned there. Uh, but then that, that next drive where they get down to its first and 10 at the 11, uh, the first play there is a pass to, on the short side of the field. Uh, so on the right side, a pass to the right flat for zero, for, for no gain because it's just a, a bootleg out to, to Kate Otten. Uh, and so you're running a bootleg to the short side to a tight end. It was, it just, it was doomed to do at best yeah. two yards. Um, you knew it was going nowhere. You could see on the rollout, he was co- totally covered. You're like, okay, this is the obvious option, but like, this is going nowhere. Exactly. And he went for it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's just, that's just a wasted play. Like you can't, you can't have wasted plays um, really anywhere, but especially at that point. And it's just, yep. I, I, I can't understate how concerned I am that, that, Things like this are still happening, and that the the uh, the inventiveness and the the creativity it requires to score touchdowns um, and and from you know strike from long distances just doesn't exist for this team. Um, I do want to say the Corey Luciano thing. Look at that guy's uh, Go Huskies picture. He looks like the young version of the Allstate Mayhem guy. So maybe some relation <laughs> there. Um, okay. Yeah. Could explain something. But I mean that that whole red zone conundrum there. <laughs> Last year, we're 105th in red zone touchdown percentage. Uh, this year, we're 9% below that. Um, so, much, so you know, it's it's two games. It's Cal. They, they, they really got us last year. I get it. Good defense. Yeah. Yeah. But something's got to give here. Uh, the, we helped them. Yeah. We yeah. weren't helping ourselves. 90th in points per play this season. 83rd last year when we complained about explosiveness. So, we're off to a worse start. 2016-17, so Jonathan Smith's last year, we were 12th in the country. 
um, in that. So, yeah. Bush Hamden, high alert, all I'm saying. How, how do we have a passing play in the red zone, like from the four-yard line, and not have Hunter Bryan in the game? That's yeah. just baffling to me. Yeah. Or that's, your, that's like the that's the guy, the one guy that should be in as as a wide receiver or a tight end, uh, just as a passing option. Yeah. But you have Jackson Sermon. If nothing else is a, a deep freshman linebacker. Yeah. It, it's yeah. it's that's just baffling. It, it's bad. Yeah. The the design is bad, and and like I said, these long drives aren't necessarily a good thing because they don't end in 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 creative plays towards the towards the end zone. So. Um, yeah, I, I counted two deep shots the whole game, one of which was intercepted to Hunter Bryant. That play was a little little iffy in terms of 50-50 ball. Could yeah, have been placed better. Totally covered. Peterson said yeah. that. Bryant could have had a better play on the ball, but I'm fine with that. you gotta, you got to have stuff like that in your offense. And then the other one was a missed, missed overthrow to Aaron Fuller. But, boy, this, this Jacob Eason thing that you have – that's you got to give that five shots a game, I, I think, and 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 yeah. there's, there's there's opportunities there on second and short where you're not taking advantage of that, um, and really playing into the defense's hands by letting them off the hook in that in that type of situation. So I, you have I, the I, speed to to go over top too. I mean, Fuller or is it Bacelli runs a four three eight. Fuller's pretty damn fast too. It's not like we're there's the, the we have the ability to separate ourselves on the outside. So. Um, yeah. Can I make one other point about Skinny? Um, Absolutely. I th- I thought he and I talked about this with Pat, uh, our you know friend of the pod, Patrick O'Neill. Absolutely. Um, on the on the light rail home afterwards when we were basically, you know, corpses at that point, point. Um, and we were talking about how Eason seems to get seemed to get really flustered anytime pre- he had to deal with pressure in that game. Instead of stepping up in the pocket like you'd normally see from a quarterback, especially someone of his size that can kind of, you know, handle that that pressure, he seemed to roll out a lot more than you would expect. Um uh, way too early, I thought. Um and it not only does that just cut the field in half and somewhat abandon the play, but it didn't really result in much. I just thought I don't know if you picked up on that, but I don't really like the idea of Eason throwing on the run as opposed to stepping up in the pocket and, uh, you know, delivering a better ball. Now you could argue that the pocket wasn't there, I guess, but I mean, I didn't really see him try that very often. Yeah. And he's also a guy too, that shouldn't have to, uh, run out of the pocket to deliver a ball. That's, that's uh, a throwaway. Like his, his arm talent should, should be quick enough to, to make that happen. Uh, there was one play where he rolled to the left and and actually took a sack um, on what was a busted screenplay. I, I now I, someone pointed out on Twitter that he did that as a, because um, if he had thrown the ball, that's a legal man downfield. Like basically with the screenplay, you either have to throw it right off the bat, um, or if you if you wait on that, then the linemen are too far downfield. Um, okay. So, so I'll give him that one. But there was another play similar to that. Um, where he kind of broke, yeah, like you said, anytime he has to get out of the pocket, it's not as, um, as, as efficient or, or, you know, it's already off to a bad start compared to him standing in the pocket and delivering like we saw him do, uh, against Eastern. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, part of it is you got to keep it him out of a situation where he feels like he has to scramble. Um, one of those, uh, on the, the play that, or the drive that ended on the, the Luciano, uh, false start. Mm-hmm. Luke Wattenberg just completely miffs, whiffs on a block that that causes Easton to have to scramble to the one yard line there. Um, so who knows how that play would have re- resolved? So um, I th- I don't think there's anyone without blame. I think uh, Easton could have 
done a lot more to, to you know, the, I don't really buy into the whole, like, he's got to throw softer thing. Like, no, you practice with these, with, with, yeah. with this, you know, like if, if it's not happening in practice, then, then don't run the play. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm more more worried about the scheme and uh, preparation part of it than I am the personnel part of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of been our we. That's kind of been the thing for the last couple of seasons. Unfortunately, it's like, or at least last season, it's okay. We have Bush Hamden. Do we think he's legit or not? And I'm. I think the jury's still out on that. Yeah. I. I mean. I. I'm pretty ready to strike the gavel myself, but, uh, <laughs> but I guess I'll, I'll refrain from doing that. Um, yeah. let's move on to the, the very end of the game. And, um, so all intents for all the, the faults of this game, uh, on both sides of the ball for the Huskies, still a chance to win there towards the end. Um, could have gone differently. The, the, the way, the way Cal moved the ball, um, on that last drive, six plays, 72 yards to, to get down to the one, um, kind of was, was the nail in the coffin, but, I don't subscribe to this idea that that uh, the time at the end of the game was negligible, and you know, uh, four or five seconds called in between timeouts um, is is uh, is somehow not important. Because mm-hmm. what for, just to to set this up, Chris Peterson in the, in the press conference um, earlier this week explaining why uh, or kind of his perspective on the whole thing breaking down. Um, didn't really take any accountability for not taking timeouts in certain situations, uh, basically conceded maybe four or five seconds, eight seconds that he could have um, taken a timeout sooner, but blamed that to how he wanted to ice the kicker. Um, but then he said it really wasn't about the timeouts. It was about whether we should let them score. And then was it? Then the question was like, hey, should you let, have let them score? And the answer was, I didn't say that. Uh, that was just one of the questions. And so you can't really have it both ways of like, we should have let them, or we shouldn't have let them score, uh, but we didn't. And then we also didn't run our timeouts to, you know, airtight like we we could have in that. It's like you you yeah. got you got it. There's there's two options there, and you didn't do either of them. So got to go all in on one or the other. Exactly, exactly. So so break us down. Uh, how did that those last few plays go um, in terms of time timeout usage? Okay, so you had 29 seconds left. Uh, I first of all, I should preface this that you know. 20 seconds, whatever it would have been, that still doesn't mean we would have scored and won the game. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're not helping yourself at all to maximize that probability of potentially scoring. Uh, 29 seconds left, one timeout remaining for the, for the Huskies. Um, this is after Cal's third down goal, goal line attempt uh, and where they're not sure if they've scored or not. Um you're you're calling a timeout no matter what right there. I think you you have to. Mm-hmm. But instead the clock ran 9 seconds and then the s- official stopped it for review. Um what I don't get is they reviewed this play. Shouldn't the clock be reset to 29 seconds when the play was dead? Um and then and then you then you you know start the clock on the on the official's whistle and then we immediately call a timeout. I don't that doesn't make sense to me. It's like those nine seconds just vanished out of, you know, off the board. Um, so that didn't, that didn't add up. But anyways, regardless, you should be calling a timeout there to, to save those nine seconds. Instead, you're starting at 20 seconds left. The clock then runs eight seconds to the 12 second mark before Peterson uses the timeout, which I just have no 
reason for that. I don't know why. And I think Peterson, like you mentioned, I think Peterson wanted the the center to the snapper to get set before he iced the kicker. Um, a couple points here. One, the kicker's kicking like a 15 yard <laughs> field goal. Yeah. So icing a kicker isn't going to do anything. He's going to make this. Um, you, all you care about at this point is the seconds on the clock. So take your time out immediately. Um, at that point, um, I don't know what other games we've had this issue with. I know there's been some, honestly, I was too disgusted to look back at other examples of poor clock management by Peterson. Um, but it's just amazing to me that a guy regarded so highly for his experience, um, as a head football coach has these issues of clock management. I mean, when you, when I'm standing in this, I'm standing there in the stadium and you know, this isn't going to sound good for me, but I have never played a game of organized football in my life. And I can tell that immediately we should be calling a timeout. We should be managing it this way. And then it's not managed that way. We have our buddy Hatcher listening on the radio, literally all the way over in Italy. And he's <laughs> yelling at his radio to call a timeout. He can't even see what's going on in the field. The fact that we're noticing those things and nothing's happening from the side from the UDF sideline is a problem. I, I just don't understand it. It's baffling to me. Yeah, right. And then that's the opportunity. It's like, yeah, it's it's so obvious. It's so clear. Clearly, it it you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Just admit it, right? Like like no one's gonna be like, oh wow, Chris Peterson, uh, you know, like falling on the grenade. That's that's too little, too late. It's like no, it's actually what people want to hear in that type type yeah. of situation. Yeah, you can you can say exactly what you said to start that point that um, you know eight seconds, whatever ends up being the the benefit of all of that um, doesn't guarantee anything. But hey, I mean, it's it's college football. You get a you get a uh, uh, you know time stop on the first down. Um, that probably adds an extra play, sits you up in a better position to to get to the middle of the field or to get to a point where you might have a, a nice 40-yard play in your book that you didn't get access to because of this situation. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's kind of like what, I don't know if you listened to last week's, but it's like, uh, you know, Larry Scott's lack of accountability for, for you know, we don't hire the coaches, we don't, we don't uh, you know, recruit the players. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, but you do, you do still have a job um, and you're not doing that part of it all the way to, to your best ability. So you kind of have to, you know, still say that. So uh, I, it, it's weird. And I hope, I hope that we're done with this. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's not my favorite thing to have something like that, not get accounted for um, in an in a easy opportunity to do it where, you know, this, this team probably was not destined for the college football playoffs. It's not like this was, this was going to, uh, to completely bust this whole thing, but just say it. Um, yeah, sure. That's, that's but but just to, to relive maybe darker times. The other two times that that I can remember in the Chris Peterson era where oh where uh, bad things have happened towards the end of games aren't necessarily clock management, or maybe they are depending on okay. your perspective of it. Last year in the Oregon game, um, getting the uh, the first down with Sean McGrew, and then I think it was a it was like a an eight yard gain on the first play, and then Washington essentially let time uh, go all the way down to uh, to to set it up to the middle of the field. Um, wasting about 35 seconds that they could have gotten closer uh, for Peyton mm-hmm. Henry in that game. Uh, we all know how that ended. And then the other one uh, is just, it's this is kind of just amazing that this happened, but it's the Arizona game in uh, 2014. So my senior year, uh, Peterson's first year, um, the Huskies were up 26-24, a minute and 23 seconds left to go. 
first and 10 at their own 44-yard line. Arizona has one timeout left, <laughs> and they lose because Deontay Cooper gets a handoff instead of taking a knee uh, three times to end that game. Um, <laughs> those are those are all pretty. Uh, those are both God. more, I think, inexcusable than this, where the the cost is eight seconds. But uh, that's that's three blemishes, um, if at least on on the record there. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It's, I think it's more than eight. I think it's you know close to 20, fifteen to twenty because of the nine second runoff from twenty nine, and then the eight second until you call the actual timeout. But you know, all the same. Yeah, yeah. And there's also an alternate universe where as soon as that screen down to the two happens, uh, the Huskies take a timeout um, at that part just to 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 um, to kind of get their bearings and, and not let Cal sit on it a little bit. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it was more in the margins of if in between the uh, the second or the third or the second and the third down plays where where that happened. Uh, all right, let's talk about something positive here. Fourth, <laughs> fourth down, uh, Savon Ahmed, um, probably his best game as a Husky. Um, yep, some, definitely some, some really big carries. The fourth down touchdown was was a very um, it was it was very similar to how Marcel Dancy had scored his touchdown of just uh, a defender comes in too 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 hot to the middle um, and and uh, Ahmed uses his speed to get to the outside um, and get past the safety. So really proud of him, um, especially because his job kind of looked in a little weird shape after the Eastern game. Um, but I think the big takeaway from from all this is that Ahmed seems like the clear guy. But the number two guy is Richard Newton, and that is very, very clear. And and it has come at the cost of of Kamari Pleasant's playing time. Yeah, uh, Pleasant didn't didn't even get a carry in this game. Uh, McGrew saw three carries for seven yards. But uh, yeah, it it seems like Ahmed and Newton kind of equal what Miles Gaskin was last year because Ahmed obviously um has that speed and agility and more so than than gaskin but newton has that downhill running ability that gaskin was able to provide that ahmed can't now having said that ahmed had a fantastic game 21 carries 119 yards in that touchdown you mentioned uh that's 10 more carries uh than his previous best which was 11 at oregon last season and um his previous rushing uh, high was 87 during last season's Apple, Apple Cup, but we won't count that because of the snow, so right, we can't right. count it. Yep. Um, but <laughs> but at the same time, I, it should be mentioned, you know, great game. His acceleration, his agility that he's able to bring to the field uh, is basically going to be the best of anybody on the field in any game this season. Um, it just can't be matched. Uh, I would like to see him... This is going to be nitpicky, but I feel like and this is just not his style, but I feel like I just wish he could just be a little bit more downhill because he's not going to be able to to make his bread just by popping outside every time. He's going to have to run through the in between the tackles, and he goes down a little bit easier than I would like for a starting running back. But, I mean, that's something that maybe will come with time uh, when he's given more of these bigger workloads like he was given this week with 21 carries. Yeah. And, and I think too, of like there, he has a clear strength and, and ability in, in bouncing it out to the outside. Sure. Um, so, you know, that wheel route that's designed for Jackson sermon, 
How about for Simone Ahmed? Um, as <laughs> yeah, maybe saying. not in the red zone. Let's do it like 40 yards out and give him some space. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so that's, that's – He was the... not targeted though in the passing game, which was disappointing. Ahmed. Uh, uh, he, um, he was. He had one one drop out to the flat. Okay. Um, out to the right. Oh, a drop. Perfect. Yeah. But he <laughs> yeah. didn't have a reception. So I that's something I would like to see more just because that's the guy of anybody on the team that you want to get in space most. Yeah, I think him, him, Hunter Bryant, Chica McClatcher, Bachelia, Fuller, all those guys are capable screen guys, and we're only really seeing it happen with uh, with Fuller and, and Chico. So who knows? Um, going, going back to the offensive woes, even when we're not trying to. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the the, the Newton and, and uh, Ahmed thing is uh, is nice, and um, I don't know if we want to nickname them the Octic. Uh, that that might work. Um, I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, our new med, but Octic is is more our speed, I think, for for uh, <laughs> crassness sakes. Um, yes. Speaking of Octic, they could have a really big game ahead of themselves uh, against Hawaii, who is very much the type of team that um, is is very comfortable in games where both teams are in the 30s at least, and maybe that's just a halftime score. Uh, they've been on fire. They've beat uh, Arizona and Oregon State so far. So they are literally atop the Pac-12 standings if you're just going by wins and losses. <laughs> um, but they've had two different receivers have four touchdown games already through two games. They've run 160 plays through two games. Cal ran 56 on Saturday. So they they go fast. They run a lot of plays down at you. Um, I'm kind of stoked for this game, but but I'm uh, I'm even more stoked for your little history lesson about the run and shoot. Uh, that's the product of about a four minute perusal on Wikipedia. Yeah. This was a little bit lunchtime meanderings to prepare because I've been hearing a lot about this run and shoot offense. And, uh, I honestly didn't know much about it. So, um, my, one of my favorite parts about this is, uh, the offense was popularized by former Portland state offensive coordinator, mouse Davis, Mm. um, big fan of that. So, um, and it was conceived by former high school coach Glenn Tiger Ellison. So there's a lot of animal references here in the uh, early foundation of the run and shoot offense. Um, having said that, I'm just going to literally read the wiki description here because, <laughs> you know, value add. Yeah, we do. Um, we do the, the run for sh- you, folks. <laughs> exactly. The run and shoot system uses a formation consisting of one running back and usually four wide receivers. The system makes extensive use of receiver motion. So that's, you know, before the snap, um, both to create advantageous mismatches with the opposing defensive players and to help reveal what coverage the defense is using. Um, the basic idea of the run and shoot is a flexible offense that adjusts on the fly with the receivers changing their routes based on the defensive coverage and play of the defenders covering them. So basically what this means is the quarterback is making a read mid snap or mid play uh, based on the coverage that uh, the defense is showing them. So if I'm I'm a cornerback and I'm shading my receiver to the outside, that receiver is trying to do the exact opposite and go to the inside. Um, so they're basically taking what the defense is giving them. So there's going to be a lot of back and forth. What's going to be important for the Huskies is to really um, – disguise their coverage and make it difficult for uh hawaii's quarterback uh his name is escaping me right now oh um, that would be make uh, it difficult for that would uh uh cold mcdonald have a, has a cold mcdonald yeah there there we go yeah make it difficult for him to you know make a read and make that pass um 
I should mention on the to wrap up the run and shoot here. This is something that Hawaii ran extensively extensively under June Jones back in the 2000s, um, when the likes of Timmy Chang and Colt Brennan were just throwing up absurd passing numbers for them. Um, they kind of went away from it for a while, but um, it has been brought back. I'm also blanking on their current coach, but he <laughs> is a former he's a former uh, University of Hawaii quarterback, I believe, and he ran that when he played for them. So he's brought it back. I think in oh okay, yeah, Nick Rolovich. There it is. Mm. Uh, brought back the run and shoot in 2018. So um, yeah, that should be interesting to see because it's not a, a offense that is run very frequently anymore um so hopefully the huskies will be ready because it's definitely unique yeah so this this will be um a big uh, a big denominator for the huskies in terms of the plays coming at them the passes being thrown at guys like kyler gordon because there's no way uh that uh you know your 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 former uh, hawaii quarterback that's now your boy that is his name is now escaping me even though you just said it two minutes ago timmy changs colt brennan uh, Cole mcdonald no the guy who's now the coach Oh, uh, Halovich, Rolovich, Nick Rolovich. Rolovich. <laughs> the name escaped you, escaped me, and then escaped you again. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> we are on our game. It's almost like we were up till five in the morning watching a stupid game on, on <laughs> Saturday morning uh, or Saturday yeah. night, Sunday morning. Jeez Louise. Who knows? Uh, but either way, they, there's no way they watched that Cal game tape and didn't say, huh, we can we can also throw a Kyler Gordon. So uh, yeah. there will not be much respite for, for this Husky defense in terms of time on the field. Um, and this will be a good opportunity to see if they can create turnovers because they have not done so yes. uh, yet this year. So a lot of balls in the air. Cole McDonald is is uh, uh, a slinger, um, if, if nothing else. Um, a guy who played so well but yet so poorly that he actually got benched mid-four touchdown game um, against – or mid-five, maybe six touchdown game. Boy, we pre- prepared for this podcast um, <laughs> against against Arizona. Um, so, um, yeah, it, I'm, like I said, I'm kind of stoked for it just because we're going to learn a lot. Um, and this is good, good testing ground for the offense and defense, um, because of the opportunities that they'll see, uh, could see, uh, 200 yards combined from our, uh, our boy Zoctic, um, as they, they play a, a, a Hawaii team that gave up almost 200 yards to just Jamar Jefferson in Oregon state, uh, go Beavs last week. Uh, all right, let's, let's move on to the rest of the pack 12. Um, interesting week last week, obviously we've talked at nauseum about this, this Cal Washington game. Uh, there was another inner PAC 12 intra PAC 12 game, um, there with USC and Stanford. What is going on? Because I think the world was ready to have USC left for dead, like literally could have started the season. zero and six, uh, but now they're two and zero and just bounced Stanford, albeit without KJ Costello. Um, but, uh, but Troy is, is not looking as on fire as I think we were prepared for. Yeah, it was the, uh, Kadon Slovis coming out party with 377 yards and three touchdowns. Um, this one was Stanford. I mean, tree, I think the tree were up 20 to 10 in the first half and, uh, USC managed to score 35 unanswered. Yeah, it was, yeah, they had scored him 21 to zero in the second half. So, um, Fortunately, during the 
almost three hour delay in Husky Stadium, they threw this game up on the uh, big screen and wow. on, the, on the TVs in the concourse. So was able to watch some of this. But uh, yeah, initially thought it was going to be, you know, the demise of Clay Helton. And I wasn't sure if we were going to even get to the Clay Helton firing game in a few weeks, uh, hopefully, when he comes to uh, Seattle, which isn't looking as likely anymore. But um yeah, they went on quite a roll there in the second half and blew out the tree. So there's that part of L.A., and then there's the other part of L.A., which is uh, UCLA. Dumpster and fire. They suck really bad. Um, they <laughs> they just looked anemic against Cincinnati, uh, followed that up with, with a home loss to San Diego State. Uh, it is icky down in UCLA. But I think the big the big winner from the, from the conference weekend – the Colorado Buffalo sticking it to Nebraska for the second year in a row in dramatic fashion. Yeah. Uh, those crazy a-holes threw a hail or a flea flicker from the end zone for a 96 yard touchdown. That's what's up. That's, that's the kind of stuff I want to see out of my football team. Uh, just a, a, a devil may care attitude um, in a, in an old big 12 uh, We're old enough to remember the old big 12 rivalry game there between Colorado and Nebraska. That was, that was fun. Oh, yeah. And uh, this one was odd because it was in Boulder, but uh, it was maybe in Lincoln. I'm not <laughs> sure yet. A lot of there red. was like 70 percent red in that stadium. I felt kind of bad for the buff fans there. Uh, Colorado was picked to be 11th place uh, overall in the Pac-12 preseason media poll. Um, they beat Colorado State 52-31 in week one and a ranked Nebraska team, obviously, this past week. What do you, what do we think about this Buffs team? Are they good? Like I don't I don't know. Are they just average? It, they don't seem like an eleventh place team to me. Well, we'll find out this but. weekend when they host Air Force. Um, no, I don't know. Oh. But <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they they've they've got it. I mean, like I said last week in the 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 Pac twelve is three minutes. Uh, ninth year quarterback Stephen Montez is yes. is a true weapon. Like someone who who you know <laughs> you can trust. Um, like him to to get it done. Um, and who's, you know, won at least one big game, it seems like, every year of his career. Um, sure. And given the South, I, I, don't, I don't see why not. I mean, they've, they, they're a team that could literally contend for that, for that, uh, for that title. I'm going to check right now because, again, we prepared so hard for this podcast uh, yeah. where they get Utah. But that could be a, a uh, really, really interesting game. Uh, they go to Utah to end the season. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, actually, you know what? They go to Oregon, to Wazoo. Uh, and to Utah, but they do host. Uh, it's over. They do host the Huskies uh, and USC. So, you know, didn't they start five and zero last year, and then they lost like every game after that, seemingly. So it could be one of those type of things that they're doing. Yeah, someone's got to do it in the Pac-12. Start way too hot, get ranked, and then blow it. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. That was that was at least fun because screw Nebraska. They haven't been good <laughs> in a decade. Tradition unlike any other. Uh, it's a big week in the Pac-12, though. Um, a lot of, if not important, very entertaining yeah. games coming hey, up. Hey, uh, back to UCLA really quickly. Oh, hey. yeah. Oh. Hit me. Sorry, I'm you were, you were lagging a bit, so I probably cut you off. But um, uh, back to the Bruins really quickly. They get Oklahoma, and then they have to travel to the Palouse over the next two weeks. So those are both losses, go, probably going to be owned for. And they still have to travel to Stanford, Utah, and USC this season. So... Um, yeah, not looking good in Westwood. I think that's a situation where um, they're about to leave the, the Wazoo and they have just lost 55 to 20. 
and they the plane takes off and everyone's like has anyone seen chip and chip kelly is just running <laughs> running east as far as he can he's he's in montana by now uh, yeah yeah <laughs> it's 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 ugly uh but yeah big week this week wazoo houston on friday that is spicy um so very very yep. excited to see that one uh but then in addition to that you have uh, Sparky versus Sparty. Um, so just one letter off between those two. And it's ASU, nice. Michigan State. Um, Stanford, for some reason, agreed to go to Orlando, which is like the only team that's ever done that. Um, yep. Going to play UCF <laughs> for some reason. Uh, USC goes to BYU. BYU is fresh off a win at Tennessee. Um, and also a team that the Huskies will play. So we'll have to keep a close eye on how SC does. Sure. Uh, obviously, the Hawaii game might be a little interesting. Hopefully uh, decisive, though. Uh, Arizona, Texas Tech, and then Oklahoma might burn the Rose Bowl to the ground when they play UCLA. So there is a lot going on, and a lot of those games feel pretty 50-50. Yeah, like that Texas Tech-Arizona game is a toss-up in my opinion. Um, I think USC will take BYU just given how they looked last week. Um, I was surprised Air Force or Colorado's uh, only a three and a half point favorite at home, the Air Force. I admittedly don't know anything about Air Force, but I thought Colorado would have a few more points on their side there on that line. But uh, we'll see what the servicemen do. Yeah, yeah, it'll uh, it'll we'll find out a lot this weekend. I think um, Larry Scott's going to basically hide in a bomb shelter because it could be it could go so bad if. Uh, if um, all those kind of 50-50 games go sour. So like Houston wins, Michigan State wins, UCF wins, uh, and Texas Tech wins by a combined like 12 points. I could see that happening easily, but that's the other part of this is save UCLA. I think every Pac-12 team winning this week would do a huge service for the conference because everything's still kind of hung up, I think, on that uh, that Oregon-Auburn game. Yeah, I didn't know they were calling uh, suites at the Aria bomb shelters, but uh, <laughs> good to know. Well done. <laughs> uh, we never miss a, a chance to to come at Larry here. Never. Uh, here's why Air Force is is so um, so highly regarded in in Vegas is because they beat Colgate forty eight to seven in week one. Um, mm. So you, you yeah, can't. That's a know, statement win. It's a huge statement win, um, and, and Vegas took notice. That's uh, and that's actually a school, not a toothpaste. Right? Just. <laughs> We don't know that. Um, <laughs> I, I can't tell which which Colgate they beat. Uh, let's move on to the national party scene, and there there hasn't been too many uh, galactic showdowns as of yet. Um, my biggest takeaway from last week, though, was that Joe Burrow um, just went nuclear against Texas. Boy, that was fun. He was just throwing things into buckets, which we've never seen an LSU quarterback be competent ever. Yeah. So uh, it was kind of disorienting to see that uniform uh, have success on offense. Well, it was like the first time in 20 years where LSU didn't run power out of the eye for every play. Yeah. So um, they've implemented a new spread offense, I believe. Um, huh. Joe Burrow, 470 in the air, four touchdowns. It was the first time an LSU quarterback has passed for over 400 yards since 2001. And uh, for everybody out there, that's the last time the Mariners went to the playoffs, which was a damn long time ago. So uh, pretty wild. We also never missed a chance to come at the, at the Mariners. So, uh, no. yeah, <laughs> we are ready and spry for both those opportunities. Uh, the other the other takeaway, Michigan sur- survived against Army. Uh, really, the big hero there for Michigan was overtime, where the clock is no longer a thing because that's Army's biggest weapon 
um, in addition to guns, yeah. uh, is the clock. Um, because they, they just absolutely bleed you during, during regulation. And then when there's an absence of that, they, they can't really use that to their advantage as much. You know, there was a point on the broadcast, I forget who it was, but they're like, why don't more lower end power five teams, uh, kind of do what army does because army runs that, that option attack where they're just playing the numbers and trying to shorten games and, you know, just statistically gain, you know, three, four yards here and there and get first downs. It, I never really thought of it like that, but um, if, you know, you don't really have much going on offense, I don't see why you wouldn't do that and kind of make take the more statistical strategy into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or even have that as kind of an option or like a, uh, a, 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 a style that you could play. Um, sure. If, you know, if uh, given given a certain type of game, uh, but yeah, like Syracuse against Clemson, just go into option and yeah, like exactly. eat the clock a tap. Yeah, <laughs> Eric Dungey would have loved to just barrel into to Clemson defenders over and over. Um, <laughs> so the other takeaway from this is that the ACC is all all just what it's nuts. Uh, Florida State is is horrible. Um, yep. Syracuse seemingly was the ACC's best shot to beat Clemson. Uh, they lose, just get boat raced by Maryland, who looks like the I don't I don't even know. They look like a, a team playing on easy in NCAA football 2012. They're scoring at will. Um, Virginia is ranked. I didn't even know that was possible. Uh, it's yeah. it's weird over there in the ACC. Yeah, I Miami saw. Sucks. Uh, yeah, I saw a list. I saw something on the college football subreddit that Maryland is only good during crabbing season, which is at the beginning <laughs> of the season. So um, I, I'm I'm interested to see if that if that uh, theory plays out, um, and then they just fall off a, a cliff edge here in a couple weeks. Speedy crabs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> crabs with crabs with wheels on them. Uh, yeah, they're, they're crabs really... with really bad uniforms. Yeah, crabs with crabs. How about that? Um, <laughs> But yeah, I actually think the the best games this week belong are are uh, are owned by the Pac-12 in terms of the ones that I'm most interested in. But I guess Iowa Iowa yeah. State for game day is um, is is interesting if you're into that sort of thing. I'll actually be in Big Ten country over the weekends. So we'll see how that goes. I'll be in Chicago, um, so good luck me finding Pac-12 games. But uh, we'll work around that. Uh, what else are you are you looking forward to this weekend other than sleeping in um, a bed that's not Husky Stadium or in Europe? Yeah, yeah, that's that's really nice. Um, other games other than the what is it, the Cyhawk Trophy? Yes. Um, would be Florida at Kentucky. Florida's eight and a half point favorite. Kentucky had quite the season last season. I don't think they're expected to be as good this season, but um, who knows? That it's not really a great week for for big matchups. You also have Clemson um, traveling to the Carrier Dome. Uh, 27 and a half point favorite over Syracuse. Uh, I expect them to win that easily. Uh, there are no ranked matchups this week uh, to go with only one ranked matchup in week one, which was Auburn, Oregon. There was obviously a few in week two. So all in all, been kind of a disappointing opening three weeks from a matchup standpoint, I think. But um, next week or week four is quite the slate so i'm kind of hoping we can just get through this week and get to that to week four well if you're if you're bored you can uh head down to corvallis and snag a six dollar ticket to watch oregon state play cal poly though um let's get off let's get off the schneid here beeves it's it's time (laughs) Um, yes yeah go beeves yeah Uh, we are 
beef beef um, apologists. We can explain away all. And you're almost an alum. <laughs> so close, so close. Hey, shouts out to Jay Kaner, the uh, uh, Fresno State's newest quarterback. Uh, could see him as early as next season. So good that that uh, yeah. that all worked out. Let's uh, let's do it, man. Great cat. OKJ of the week. What do you got for the kitty this week? Uh, the kitty is easily lightning, and <laughs> that's it's just lightning. That's yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was I was just so ready to see football because I missed the first I mean I watched the the Eastern game uh when I was in London but I was just so ready to see football and we just get 5 minutes into the game and it's like nope two and a half hour delay. I was pretty annoyed standing there in the concourse. So uh Lightning is my easy choice here. Yeah, I'm going to go Bush Hamden um who's uh, okay. <laughs> seems to be the opposite of Lightning in terms of uh ingenuity um but uh but yeah that's that's been established i don't want to talk too much more about that but uh yeah gotta see something there to uh to tell me this is all gonna be all right um and happier things uh your okg of the week there's probably a clear one here um and uh it's number 47 right yeah it is 47 had a 49 yarder to take the lead with two minutes left uh this has obviously been a huge talking point over the last uh two seasons um but he was able to Take the lead in a clutch pressure situation. I was honestly ecstatic. I was ecstatic for him, not just because we took the lead, but just for him in general. It's too bad that that wasn't able to get it done because that would have been pretty cool. Um, he was previously one for three from 40 plus yards with his long of 41. So um, this obviously takes that by eight yards. Uh, honorable mention for OKG, and it pains me to say this because. There was a lot of talk last week about, you know, what, who is this guy, blah, blah, blah. But I think we would be remiss to mention or not. We need to mention that Evan Weaver for Cal had uh, a huge yeah. game. He really backed up his talk. He was named Walter Camp National Defensive Player of the Week. 18 tackles, 14 of which were solo, two tackles for loss, one forced fumble. The next high for solo tackles in that game for any player on either team was six. So he eclipsed that by eight. So pretty amazing performance. Yeah, he is an absolute animal. And like you said, he backed it up. We spent a lot of time in last week's podcast wondering what was wrong with him. Um, but he got, he figured it out. He had, took things into into his own hands and, and got the answers yep. he needed to out of us for whatever, whatever, whatever <laughs> he has against the university of Washington. Um, he got the last yeah. laugh and you got it. You got to give it to him there. Um, yeah, Peyton Henry, obvious one. Um, but then my other one here, uh, is Jimmy Lake for saying something that both is one of those quotes that you can just read and be like, yep, that makes sense. Or you can be like, I don't know. Uh, but it, it is exactly how I feel. So the quote was, uh, Jimmy, or like the question was, I guess, Jimmy, um, you know, what were you, why were you at the stadium so late on Saturday or how late were you, were you there or whatever? Um, and he says, all I was thinking about was every single play of that game. <laughs> Norm- normally when you start a, a sentence, like all I was thinking about the, the next thing is going to be something very like micro granular. Like all yeah, I could think about was, thing. yeah, all I could think about was just like Joe Tryon's get off ability or something like that. It was nope. Yeah. Every single play of that game. Um, <laughs> so that's where Jimmy As he should in. be though. It is his so, job. It is you know. his job. Yeah, yes. so yeah. Uh, that's kind of how I felt, um, both desperately needing to go to sleep at f- 4 or 5 a.m. Uh, on Saturday night, but also not having the ability to do so because that monstrosity was just racing through my head. Um, I vibed hard with that, Jimmy. That's all I can say. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's, let's, call, let's call a bow on this. Let's, let's just 
need a slump buster here against Hawaii. How about a, like a 51, yeah. 51 20 type situation? Um, sign me up for that. That's like a, with a turnover. Uh, at least, at least. Um, yeah. yeah. How about it? Yeah, I'd be all for that. There we go. All right, Stan. Thanks for doing this. We're back on the horse. We'll be back probably earlier. We're back on the saddle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless unless things go real sour, then we might just have to stop being friends um, and find new yeah. things to do with our lives. Um, yeah. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, let's hope it doesn't come to that. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next week. Go dogs. All right. Go dogs. Go dogs.